0: to family history, genealogy made easy. I'm your host, Lisa Louise Cook. You probably have a lot of curiosity about your family history, but not a lot of time. That's why I created this podcast. In each episode, I'm going to give you the tools that you need to uncover your family tree in quick and easy ways. In our first segment, my guest is Lisa Alzo, a genealogist and author. We're going to talk with her about her reasons for researching her family history and some great things that she's learned along the way.
1: Even when I started writing my thesis, which became my book, Three Slovak Women, I never really thought about this too much, but then it it just struck me that if my grandmother hadn't had the courage to get on that boat, mm-hmm. I wouldn't have the opportunities I have today. I always say we worry about the who, what, where, uh, and, and sometimes the when, but the why sometimes gets lost in the shuffle. Yeah. And, and I think that that's a very important part of genealogy
0: and family history. Then in our second segment, we're going to further your own family history journey by exploring the wealth of genealogical records available online. There's lots to do, so let's get going. Alzo is an accomplished genealogist. She has authored seven books, including Three Slavic Women, Baba's Kitchen, Slavic Family Recipes and Traditions, and Finding Your Slavic Ancestors. She also writes regularly for prominent genealogy magazines, is a sought-after conference speaker, and teaches online genealogy courses for GenClass.com and the National Institute for Genealogical Studies. Today, Lisa is going to talk about how she sort of fell into family history research, the impact that it's had on her life, and some great advice for others who are searching for their ancestors. Here's my conversation with her. Lisa, I'm so glad that you had a chance to um, come and join me on the show because I know you've done so much research into your family, but you've also been able to translate that research into several um, fascinating books about the things that you've learned. And and I know in talking with you, we've talked about how family history has really personally impacted us. And I I think that's something when you first start doing your research, you don't always realize it's going to happen. So I'd love to know, what are your thoughts about how doing your family history research has actually impacted your life or um, maybe changed some of your ideas along the way? First of all, it's a pleasure to be here talking with
1: you again. And thanks for having me. Uh, absolutely. I never imagined what I would get out of family history when I started it. And I began sort of, I came in it through the back door, and I call myself the accidental genealogist because I got into family history because I had to have a topic for my thesis when I was studying for my master's of fine arts and nonfiction writing. And. <laughs> I just needed a topic and I was reading a book. It's, it's called Out of This Furnace by Thomas Bell and it's about three generations of Slovak men who worked in the steel mills in a, in a town outside of Pittsburgh and near where I lived. I grew up in a town uh, called Duquesne. And as I was reading the book, I, I simultaneously started asking my mother questions about my, my Slovak ancestors and uh, unfortunately like many genealogists I started too late I mean I was in my 30s but I still started too late and my grandparents had all passed away and especially my maternal grandmother and even though I knew her till I was you know in college uh, I never asked her anything about her life wow. or I sat down and talked to her so as I was asking my mother questions I just learned so many amazing things about my grandmother's life and and that's that's how I sort of got into genealogy. and what I learned along the way and, and still learning as I do research 18 years later is just what, what struck me initially more so with my maternal grandmother than, than, and, than any of my ancestors is that what a, what a difficult life she led and but what a strong woman she was mm. and you know she, she was the youngest of thirteen children. She came over, you know, as a as a young woman, and you know, left behind her family, probably never to see them again, and I. And then she had an arranged marriage with my grandfather, who could be kind of difficult, and and then she had seven children and had to raise them during the depression, and she almost didn't get in through Ellis Island because she had asthma and they thought she had tuberculosis, mm. so she had. That, and I actually found out through her, through her passenger list that she was hospital detained. So it was interesting just learning about my grandmother because she had these inner qualities and, and I just never knew, you know, I always thought of her just as my grandmother who baked wonderful bread and made great, great Slovak food, but she had this
0: whole other identity. Wow. I mean, just in listening to you, you just blew by some pretty amazing facts. The youngest of 13. The mm-hmm. youngest of thirteen. Yes, I mean no wonder she was a strong woman. An arranged marriage, even in nineteen twenty-two. <laughs> traveling across the ocean, leaving her family behind. Uh, this woman who was doing some baking that you knew as a child. What an amazing, rich background that she had that you just
1: discovered. Never knew about it. And as I talked to my mother, you know, who's very close to her, you know, it was, it's a shame that I couldn't get the information firsthand, but my mother was able to fill in a lot of the gaps. And, and then what else always strikes me is that when I think about this, when I, you know, gather all the facts together and I, but I really think about it. And as I, you know, even when I started writing my thesis, which became my book, Three Slovak Women, I never really thought about this too much. But then it, it just struck me that if my grandmother hadn't had the courage to get on that boat, mm-hmm. I wouldn't have the opportunities I have today. I wouldn't be here talking to you. Mm-hmm. I wouldn't be able to do genealogy. I wouldn't be able to go out and speak about it, to write about it. I, I, you know, I wouldn't have my master's degree. You know, all the sacrifices that she made, and then you know, also my mother, and and just sort of this, the bond that the the three women had, that we three had together as as three Slovak women. And I was just thinking about the different generations and, like I said, the sacrifices that that the two of of them made for for me. And and now I'm able to kind of give back a little bit and and tell my grandmother's story.
0: And and so that makes me feel very, very good when I'm able to do that. You bet. What an amazing impact that she's uh, had on your life. I I know with my uh, maternal great-grandmother, she came in through Ellis Island in, in 1910. And sometimes we get really excited and we find these passenger records and we go, Oh, wow, great. Check that off my list. I found the passenger record. Let's. W-. And it wasn't until a year or two after I found it that I actually went back and I looked more co- closely and I, I gave it some time to think about it, you know, and to, and to look into more of the context of what was going on at that time. And, and then I got to calculating dates and I realized she was not only coming across with a four year old daughter to a husband that had already crossed. She was three months pregnant. Oh, my goodness. I I can't imagine. imagine. I remember how horribly ill I was at three months pregnant. And I think, now there is something hidden in the text of that document that went well deeper than just the date she got there, the ship that she was on. And yet I had missed it the first time. And I had been doing Mm -hmm. it for a while. And and it really told me so much more about her character. Oh,
1: absolutely. And... And like I said, I found the stamp of, with my grandmother being detained at the hospital, and and so when you, when you get all these different pieces, like you said, sometimes you have to go back and and really study a, a record or or maybe something that some a family member has told you, and and real like you said, research the historical context and really think about. I always say we worry about the who, what, where, uh, and and sometimes the when, but the why. Sometimes gets lost in the shuffle. Yeah. And, and I think that that's a very important part of
0: genealogy and family history. So it sounds like in your mind, grandmother moved from the, the wonderful, you know, woman who hugged you and, and fed you to this much more complex, stronger woman than you ever imagined. And how did you end up taking that into a book? I just, what was that process like? It's, it's, it was amazing to me to see that you had accomplished that because it really does put it in, um, in, in history, if you will. It's out there permanently and you've really secured her spot.
1: Well, just blend, I mean, trying to blend the personal with the historical facts and, and the fact that there hadn't been too much written about the Slavic immig- immigrant woman and, uh, so I, I, I just was able to, I wanted to. I selectively took different pieces of history, and 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 when we're talking with my grandmother, it's uh, Slovakia was under the Austro-Hungarian Empire. So there's a whole another history that I had to kind of blend in. Uh, but by starting with her life, I was able to just kind of give a picture of 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 what it was like for her to grow up there, and then come over, and then just sort of by doing it in the generations, I was able to. Um, make it consistent and I used timelines and to make sure that I got all of the you know, the historical dates and the information correct and and it was just a really interesting process for process for me because I also did over thirty five interviews with family members and and neighbors and, and, and things like that and people like that and I was able to Go through and look at the transcripts and, and just pick out what were the interesting stories. and And for me, the stories always grab me. So I tried to frame the book sort of around the stories mm-hmm. and, and 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 that's what that was my goal, and to tell her story in in that way.
0: So now that you um, have discovered her story and you've recorded it for posterity, what keeps you motivated today? what is what has family history research? meant to your life what does it continue to mean in your life i just think there's always interesting
1: ancestors to discover yeah. the more you do research the more you want to know and and i always say i know a lot of part-time genealogists but i know very few half-hearted ones <laughs> i think people are very passionate about the the process and about finding their ancestors and and for me i just think the more I learn that now I'm doing my father's side of the family and and it's a whole new realm of discovery mm-hmm. and I've um, I actually connected a couple of years ago with a 90 year old cousin that I, I didn't even know that I had. And she actually had some of the same pictures in her photo album as I had, uh, from my father's side of the family. She was able to identify my great grandfather in a picture and my great grandmother from over in Slovakia. And, you know, those kind of things just kind of blow my mind. Wow. When the more, you know, you, people Come up when you least expect it. They find you Mm -hmm. or you find them. So I think there's so much more to discover. The more you do, there's always somebody new, somebody's story that you can tell. And that's what I like about it. Do you
0: remember thinking back? When did it convert from a class assignment to a passion? Oh gosh. (laughs) I think,
1: I think it, I think the first time it really kind of hit home to me was, about maybe two years into the thesis project, when I actually went to, uh, the town in, in Barton, Ohio, where my grandparents were married, um, they, they had an arranged marriage. And so, but I actually stepped in the church where they were married. Mm-hmm. And I think I ju- it just felt so real to me that, I, you know, I'm on the ground, you know, where, where they were. And in the church where they were married, and then of course going to Ellis Island was a, was another, around the same time period, uh, r- another experience for me. Just overwhelming, mm-hmm. uh, experiencing what she may have, have have gone through, you know what, what she went through, and I, I was just a, I, I was just blown away by it. It was really
0: something. Oh, I would recommend that for anybody anybody who, who finds that they have uh, ancestors who came through Ellis Island. Wow, when you walk in those doors, it just envelops you, doesn't it?
1: It does. And so it just, be- that's, that's where it stopped sort of being, well, I have to do this for my thesis. But <laughs> the more, I think it was the more tidbits I, I uncovered about the family, it just piqued my curiosity. And then it became more than just a project. It, it just became a discovery.
0: Oh, Lisa, what a wonderful story. I, I really appreciate you coming on the show today and, um, Hopefully, this will spark a little passion in those listening uh, who maybe are just getting started just to know what the possibilities are. Thank you so much. Thank you, Lisa. We're back, and I'm your host, Lisa Louise Cook. And this is the place in the show where we give you the tools to successfully research your family history. This week, we're going to go over what your options are for locating records online. Now, first of all, it's important to point out that the online records landscape is constantly changing. And there is no one authority of where you should be searching. In the end, what you are looking for is going to be dictating where the best place is to look online. And that might change next week, so I'll be concentrating as much on how to decide which sites are best for your particular research challenge, as I will be what the so-called top online record sites are. Now having said that, there are some very large websites out there that time and again prove out to be solid and reliable. In this episode, I'm going to focus on the major subscription-based websites, the ones where more than likely you're going to have to pay to gain full access to the records online. So once we have a good handle on those um, resources, then in our next episode, we can talk about the free alternatives. In the world of genealogy, as with pretty much any other hobby or endeavor that you might get into, you are eventually going to have to spend some money to be really successful. You may already be familiar with the Family History Library, which is run by the LDS Church, and that library typically falls under the free category. But in reality, you're gonna have to still spend some money to take full advantage of it, whether it's a quarter here and there to print copies, uh, to a couple of dollars to order a roll of microfilm, to several hundred dollars to pay travel expenses to go to the free library in person. So I guess the bottom line is, Nothing is free. Probably not news to you, right? So our goal is really to get the very best value and results for the money that we do spend. So let's start with the subscription websites. Now on the surface, they will require the largest upfront outlay of money to use. For U.S. research, these include Ancestry.com and WorldVitalRecords.com. Then as you move into other countries, you're going to be looking at a site called Find My Past for British records, uh, Roots Ireland for Irish records, Ginline for Swedish records, and Scotland's People for Scottish records. Now, I'm sure there are many other pay websites that focus on specific countries, but these are some of the most common ones that you're going to come across and possibly need. So let's look more closely at one of the major players in the U.S., Ancestry.com. Now, Ancestry is owned by the Generations Network and is one of a number of genealogy websites that they operate. Ancestry boasts more than 7 billion, and that's billion with a B, names and 26,000 searchable databases. And right now, it's currently the number one source for family history information online. And it is the web's largest collection of historical records. And because Ancestry has expanded into website features that allow users to manage their family information on the website, you can also tap into the research, the records, and the photographs of other family historians. To give you even a better idea of the uh, vast array of records they might have available for you, I'm recording this episode during the second week of December in 2008. And this week, Ancestry boasts 11,035,814 people were added to user family trees on their website. 19,265 family stories were submitted by Ancestry users and 179,684 photographs were uploaded. What this means is that you're not only tapping into the records that Ancestry digitizes and makes available, you are tapping into the wealth of information from all those other researchers out there. Pretty powerful stuff. Now, in our last episode, which was episode number six, I went over all the majority of records that you will be looking for in your research. Well, Ancestry has pretty much all of these records and quite a bit more. The really compelling collection that they have is the entire U.S. federal census, from searchable indexes of names to every single page in a digital format that you can view and print, covering all of the available enumerations from 1790 all the way through 1930. And the census is really going to be the cornerstone of your research. And we'll get back to that in just a moment. They also have an amazing collection of passenger list records available. Again, not just the indexes, but lots and lots of scanned images as well. So the bottom line here is that while it would be impossible for them to have every single record available or every single issue of a newspaper digitized, today Ancestry is going to be really your best bet for finding a record if it exists online. There are definitely free alternatives, but as I said, you'll probably still end up spending a few dollars here and there. And you will probably have to visit a variety of websites, although the FamilySearch website, again, operated by the LDS Church, is certainly getting as close as possible to providing the most comprehensive collection of free digitized records and indexes available. And we will be talking about FamilySearch in depth in our next episode. And finally, you might just have to get out of your PJs and get dressed and go to where the records are if you're looking for free records. So if you're looking for one-stop shopping online and you want the best chance of seeing a digitized copy of the actual original record online, then probably Ancestry is going to be your best bet. So let's talk about what's it going to cost you. Well, first of all, you can sign up for a free 14-day trial to kick the tires and test drive Ancestry's U.S. records collection. Now, as of this recording, if you decide to join Ancestry, you have a couple of different options. You can choose between a U.S. Deluxe membership and a World Deluxe membership. From there, you can choose whether you want to go with a monthly, quarterly, or yearly membership. So keep in mind, the longer the time period the lower the cost is averaged per month. The best way to decide how much use you really think that you're going to get out of a subscription is to take advantage of that 14-day free trial offer. If you're still not sure how much of an investment you want to make, then go for the one-month subscription, which is just around $20, and drive it some more. From my experience, I can tell you that the real factor is going to end up being how much you use it, it would be pretty tough to exhaust the possible records and information that Ancestry provides. But what you may find is that you're just not finding or perhaps making the time to use it. It is miserable to pay a high price for a year subscription and then end up only using it a couple of times. So my suggestion is that you use the free trial, And really allow yourself some time in those first 14 days to really get into it. Now, if you're like me, you're going to find yourself signing up for the free trial and then all of a sudden looking up at the clock and seeing it's 2 a.m. If you really allow yourself some time to see the possibilities, you will know whether or not you really feel motivated to make good use of your subscription. Once you have a handle on how long a subscription you want... Then you need to decide between the U.S. and the World Deluxe memberships. If you have English, Irish, or Canadian ancestors in particular, then the World Deluxe membership is probably a really good choice for you. The British census records are fantastic and can take you back several generations very quickly. However, chances are you will be working in U.S. records for quite a while before you're ready to search overseas. So, Consider going with the U.S. at the lower cost, and then later you can upgrade when you feel like you're ready. So again, the bottom line on Ancestry, it will boil down to your initiative in using the site as to whether you're really going to get your money's worth. I've been a member for several years now, and I find new things every day, not only because they have a ton of records, but because they are constantly adding new ones, as are all those wonderful users out there. And remember, you can start with a short subscription and you can always increase it later. And finally, if you're still unsure, then hold off and wait for my episode dedicated to Census Records and then consider joining at that point. In my opinion, Ancestry has more than paid for itself simply through its Census Records collection. Not too many years ago, I used to have to drive 45 minutes to one of the larger family history centers to slog through name index books and then pull one roll of microfilm out at a time and scroll through it just to try to find one family. On Ancestry, I can literally find dozens of records in that same amount of time. And yes, I can do it in my jammies and with my favorite hot drink if I want, (laughs) So the savings in time, gas, money, and aggravation is indisputable. Now, the other major records website is World Vital Records at worldvitalrecords.com. The collection there is more eclectic, in my opinion. You won't find as complete coverage for the various record types. However, what you will find are some very unique and not available anywhere else type records. Because their collections and tools are not as vast as Ancestry, you'll find the pricing is more affordable. While Ancestry has around 7 billion names, World Voto Records says they have about 1.2 billion names and 800 million U.S. names. As of this recording, the U.S. subscription is just about $5.95 a month and the annual build in one payment averages out about $3.33 a month. Their World Collection averages around $20 a month for the annual membership. World Vital Records does have a free seven-day trial, but it's not always obvious on the homepage. So I will have a link to the page with that offer in the show transcription notes on the website for this episode. Again, there's nothing like trying it out for yourself and seeing if you think that they hold the records that you need. My strategy with World Vita Records has been to get a solid running start with Ancestry, and then as I get into more challenging searches, I check back to see if World Vita Records has what I need that I couldn't find on Ancestry. If so, I can jump in for a month. If not, I can just check back because they are adding new records all the time as well. In fact, I want to mention that I closely track the new records being added to these sites along with many others. So if you would like updates as to the newest records that are being made available online, sign up for my free email newsletter. It's called Genealogy Gems uh, for all the latest updates. Now, as I mentioned at the top of this episode, there are some really good websites for international records. So let's take a look at some of those. Here are some of the top ones. For British records, passenger lists, and birth, marriage, and death records, you'll want to look at findmypast.com. There are a couple of different package offerings, but they run rather expensive, so be sure that you're ready to use them when you do sign up. When I finally had a name and a very specific location to look for in the 1891 British census, I had no trouble at all really quickly finding the family and following that family line back through all the past census records on the website, which is incredibly rewarding. So they are terrific. If if you're ready to use them, go for it. For Irish records, there is a new offering called RootsIreland.ie. Though once it was thought that Irish records were pretty near impossible to find on your own, with the launch of Roots Ireland, that is all changing Right now, uh, in December of 2008, it's in its very early stages, though. So the longer you can wait before you buy in, the more chances that you're going to find what you're looking for, since they are still very much in the process of adding records for all the different counties in Ireland. And our last example of English-speaking countries is Scotland. And there you'll want to check out Scotland's People at scotlandspeople.gov.uk, where you'll find over 50 million records that you can access. Scotland's people operates on a credit basis. So you pay a flat fee, which gives you a certain number of credits to spend as you want to, as you find records. Now, when it comes to Swedish records, you'll want to head to genline.com. There you'll find the images of the original Swedish church records from, get this, all the way back to the 16th century to the 20th century, which includes birth, marriages, deaths, and some household examinations, which are a lot like um, census records. And GenLine does offer a free trial, but bear in mind that these records are in the Swedish language and you're going to be dealing with some naming conventions that are very different to other countries. So you're going to, again, want to do your homework before you give them your credit card. And we'll be going in depth regarding the records of these various countries in future episodes. Now, I've covered the most commonly used subscription sites that offer the largest number of records, and there are certainly others available for other countries. But again, I would start at Ancestry and their world collection before making a large credit card payment to a smaller, lesser-known website. Now, here are some other tips about paid websites. Tip number one. I recommend that as you find records that you save them to your computer hard drive in an organized manner. Records can pile up very quickly, which of course is a great thing, but it's not a good thing if you don't save them and then you have a hard time locating them again on the website or worse yet that you save them, uh, but in a way that makes it very difficult for you to quickly access them on your computer. And I'll be devoting an entire future episode to hard drive record organization to help you out with this. Tip number two, another important tip is to properly cite the source for each document you locate on the saved file itself, on the paper copy, if you print it out, and your genealogy database where you add the info that you just discovered on that document. It's very common to access a page on Ancestry, print out the document, you're all excited, and then realize later that because it came from a book or in the middle of a bigger record, that it doesn't have printed on it key information like when it was recorded and where. And that's maddening when you're trying to make sense of it down the road. So as excited as you get, and you probably will get very excited when you find a great record, take the time to make note of all the identifying information and proper source citation so that that record will be meaningful to you not only now, but generations from now. And tip number three, if you do decide to subscribe to Ancestry, by all means, take advantage of the opportunity to post your family tree on the website and add to it occasionally as you go along. This is a fantastic way for other researchers and long lost distant cousins to find you and share what they know and vice versa. I mean, it's tempting to think, oh, I need to wait until I have a much bigger family tree you know, before I post it, but that's absolutely not the case. If you post what you have now, your tree might get very big very quickly through the generous contributions of other researchers who've been searching the same families that it contains much longer than you have. And that's what it's all about, connecting with your family today and your family of yesterday. that brings us to the end of the show your genealogical job this week is to check out the websites that i talked about and perhaps try out a free trial with either ancestry or world model records to test drive it for yourself in our next episode i'll be covering some of the great free online databases available to help supplement what you do find on the paid websites well that's going to bring us to the end of the show You'll find the show notes for this episode, which include all the links I've talked about at my website, genealogygems.com. And there you'll also discover a lot more tips and tools for finding your family history in my podcasts, the blog posts, books, and videos. Become a Genealogy Gems premium member, and you're also going to get access to exclusive content like my full-length video classes and the premium podcast episodes. We have a new one of those coming out every month. Now, if you have any questions about this episode, or if you'd like to share your experiences on how the podcast has impacted your own family history journey, I would love to hear from you. You can email me at genealogygemspodcast@gmail.com at gmail.com or leave a voicemail at 925-272-4021 and we might just play it here on the show. Thanks so much for listening, friend. I'll talk to you soon.